Hello everybody and welcome to June of 1992. In the news this month, in the Stanley Cup Final, the Pittsburgh Penguins beat the Chicago Blackhawks winning a second consecutive title. Likewise in the NBA Finals, the Chicago Bulls beat the Portland Trailblazers in Game 6 for their back-to-back -back titles. Michael Jordan is MVP for a second straight year. Dan Quayle famously misspells potato during a Trenton, New Jersey elementary spelling bee. Mafia boss John Gotti begins his life sentence in jail for murder and other crimes. The top song of the month is I'll Be There by Mariah Carey. And the top three movies are House Sitter, Patriot Games, and Batman Returns. Welcome back to another episode of Be Kind, Please Rewind, a 90s movie podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to another episode of Be Kind, Please Rewind, a 90s movie podcast. I'm your host, Chris. And I'm Kevin. And we're talking June of 1992. It's a short month. A movie short month, I mean. <laughs> what else I, would you be I, referencing? I the assume, amount of days? I assume that June was just as long as every other June. <laughs> it was a short June. <laughs> No, so we only got seven titles today. Yeah, and that's um, more than what I need. Seven more than yeah, what, yeah, uh, <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. uh, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. So, seven movies, one of which was watchable. Yes. You want to just want to talk about movies? Let's just go into the movies. Yeah, let's do that. All right, coming in at number seven, Iron Eagle three. Ah, uh, it's Aces. Iron uh, Eagle three. Aces, what is that? A colon? That's a colon. Aces, colon, Iron Eagle 3. Grossing $2.5 million. It's an action movie. This is apparently the third installment of the Iron Eagles. And uh, <laughs> this one, Chappie discovers a drug smuggling scheme at his own airbase. Ooh. It turns out that the lives of some village people in Peru are at stake. And he decides to fly there with... <clears throat> And he decides to fly there with ancient airplanes and friends to free them. Okay. What's an ancient airplane? <laughs> like, is this like prehistoric or like, is this like Leonardo da Vinci's drawing? Yeah. Like what would qualify as an ancient airplane? There's it, no such thing. No, maybe the Wright brothers designed, but that's not ancient. That was like the twenties. All right. So this stars <laughs> Louis Gossett Jr., which okay, there you go. <laughs> He's in it, and uh, he did a thing. He made this this movie and two others like it, uh, and it's directed by John Glenn, who directed Octopussy. Say that word without fucking laughing. Uh, for your eyes only, and a view to kill, amongst others. But I just want to point out that this man directed some Bond movies with all the worst Bonds. He directed the Roger Moore and the Timothy Dalton Bonds, which and, like doesn't and he count. did this all while being the first astronaut. What? Isn't John that, Glenn? Isn't that who John Glenn is? I guess, if you say so. <laughs> now, that's it. Moving on. Moving on. Coming in at number six, The Lover, earning $5 million. This is a romance. Nice. In 1929, French Indochina, a French teenage girl embarks on a reckless and forbidden romance with a wealthy older Chinese man, each knowing that knowledge of their affair will bring drastic consequences to each other. I feel like we get one of these movies every single month. Every single month. So this is a movie that's done entirely in French. Um, as it's, you know, it's about a French teenage girl. Okay. Uh, the only actors in this movie are, uh, are French and Chinese actors. This is directed by Jean-Jacques Arnault, who 
we've uh, we've spoke about before. He, Have we? Yeah, he directed Enemy at the Gates and Seven Years in Tibet. And there was I, I don't remember the movie we talked about, but there was another movie released like a side movie like this where we spoke about his movie. Okay. So the only interesting thing I could find about this movie is that the director had claimed that the lead actors actually had sex while filming their sex scene, but he only said this as a way to like make buzz for the movie, and it worked. He was he was able to like like create this whole stir up in England, and everybody wanted to see the movie. The amount of sexual frustration and like pent up sex sex energy that people must have possessed in the nineties must be uncanny because it's in almost every movie and it's almost always terrible. <laughs> it's true, and it's funny because one of my facts later on in this list also has to do with something like this. Um, but yeah, just so much odd sex things. Yeah. Okay. Coming in at number five, Class Act, a comedy grossing $13 million. A valedictorian and a juvenile delinquent have their school records switched and begin to be treated like the other. This stars, once again, Kid and Play and Paulie Shore. <laughs> and this is actually every time a Kid and Play movie comes up, this is the movie I always think of. <laughs> so I, I don't know the exact quote, but it goes something like, so... Uh, play is talking to kid and kids like the, the juvenile delinquent and plays like the valedictorian and and places a kid says something along the lines of like I'm deaf. So kid whispers in at that point in time, deaf was slang for like dope or whatever, which is another slang word that I use to just describe a slang word. But I'm sure you understand anyway. So it could play then whispers in kids ear. Blade Brown is the biggest asshole. He's saying, like, "Yes, he, I remember." He turns to him. He goes, "He goes, you better watch your mouth before I kick you in your teeth." He said, "I thought you said you was deaf." He goes, "Man, I'm the deafest brother on this block." <laughs> <laughs> and that's all I have. That's the only quote I remember from that movie. I I remember loving this movie as a child, though. So, and and wasn't Paulie Shore constantly sucking on a lollipop? Yes, and yes, but he, I feel like he does that in every movie. Like, I know he did that in the. Goofy movie oh, as what, a cartoon character, yes. which maybe he's always sucking on a lollipop because they put it in the cartoon. Yeah, maybe that's his thing. Anyway, that's it. All right. Weird, right? Weird. Okay. That was weird. Sorry. <laughs> Coming in at number four, Unlawful Entry, earning $57.1 million. This is a thriller suspense. A burglar holds <laughs> Hold a- on. That's not a fucking category, buddy. I'm just saying, thriller suspense. Yeah, isn't a thriller a suspenseful movie? This is a thriller. No, I'm just. I want to. I just want to have the conversation. Is that not the same thing? No, thriller is like ah in your face. Suspense is like oh, is he gonna go in my face? (laughs) You have some weird '90s sexual energy there, Val. That's not what I meant. (laughs) All right, moving on. Sorry. This is a thriller. Okay. A burglar a burglar holds a knife to Karen's throat while her husband does nothing. The couple ends up befriending the cop that comes. Oh, <laughs> Here we go again, bro. Oh, okay, go ahead. Take two. The couple ends up befriending the cop that comes to help. The friendship ends when the cop beats up the culprit. Karen isn't ready to end it. Things get ugly with the cop. This is a terrible... <laughs> What's going on? 
You have one of these like every so often where the plot is just incoherent. <laughs> I don't know what happened there. Alright, just keep going. No, I keep going as, that was the end. But keep I, I, keep, keep no. going as if it made sense. Who's in it? Uh, this is directed by Jonathan Kaplan, who did a lot of TV work. Uh, nothing big in the theaters. Starring, however, Kurt Russell and Ray Liotta. Okay, that's cool. Uh, also, the wife is Madeline Stowe from... Also, Ray Liotta just died, and I feel like that hasn't really hit home. Did no, We definitely mentioned that on the podcast, didn't we? But I feel like I haven't really mourned the death of Ray Liotta. I mean, you didn't know him. Yeah, but like I've I've had trouble with the passing of other stars before, and Ray Liotta is like, he's been in so many movies that I love, and like I'm just like, oh yeah, Ray Liotta died, and then just went on about my day. I, I guess because so many people are dying right now, and he's not really been like in the forefront of acting currently. He's also looked terrible as of late, like oh. before he passed. Don't don't speak ill of the dead. Okay, well I'm saying that he didn't really look so hot. Yeah, I mean, he got older and he didn't want to look older, so he tried to make himself not look older, it seemed like, with injections. Okay. That's what I got from it. (laughs) All right, fine. This also stars Madeline Stowe from 12 Monkeys, The General's Daughter, and The Last of the Mohicans. Do you know for no reason at all I constantly confuse Madeline Stowe with Madeline Kahn? The two of them look nothing alike. <clears throat> have nothing to do with one another. Well, their names are both Madeline, so... Yeah, that's it. I, that's, right. that's it's, the ex- it's enough. It's that's enough. the extent of my idiocy. It's enough. Okay. All right. So, uh, interesting fact. Kurt Russell and Madeline Stowe refused to use body doubles for the sex scene. <laughs> it's a re- real difficult choice, but no, I'm going to take this one on the chin. <laughs> well, I mean, Kurt Russell, man. I mean, if I'm Madeline Stowe, do I really want Kurt Russell grinding up on me? I don't. Why? I mean, he's not a... He's a handsome man, Kurt Russell. Maybe. All right, that's it. We're done. Are we done? We're done. All right. Top three. That was the fastest top... Ca- the fastest countdown we've ever done. That's because we're awesome. Yeah, well, all right. Coming in at number three, House Sitter, a comedy grossing $95 million. This is the house that Davis built. This is the stranger who's moving into the house that Davis built. I'm Gwen, his wife. Mine's George. I'm his father. This is Davis, who's just discovered the stranger living in his house. What are you doing here? What am I doing? What are you doing here? You're in a lot of trouble. I am? How the hell come I never knew you were married? Hi, honey. Oh, my God. Oh, he said, oh, what a great little town this was and what a fabulous house that he built. And the truth is, you told him you were my wife? I guess he was under the impression that I was insane. To marry a woman whose face you've never seen until your wedding day at the hospital when the doctor removes the gauze? What is happening? Steve Martin. You you, you can't stay here. Why not? Is. You're a con artist. Newton Davis. Excuse me, excuse me. We have this amazing communication, you know, it's like. When? Goldie Hawn. I'm going. Where did all this furniture come from? Is not. Well, I just told him to go ahead and put it on our account. Mrs. Davis. Would you mind not going around the house dressed like that? You know, you happen to look very pert. I want this marriage to work. What marriage? She is. The house sitter. I'd like for you to call me dad. Honey, are you okay? House sitter. 
Okay. So are we gonna breeze right through this one? I mean, I got some things to say. Do you? All right. Yeah. Well, let's let's start with the the plot and the actors, and then we can move on. Well, the plot's kind of hard to get through, isn't it? Like, it's it takes, not really. It's so like a mouthful to like explain. I I have what IMDb wrote, which was enough, and then we can expound. So con artist Gwen, which is played by Goldie Hawn, moves into Davis's empty house, played by Steve Martin, without his knowledge, and poses as his wife. All right, so then that that's what IMDb says the plot is, but then like it's it's more along the lines of so Steve Martin had proposed to his his in the very beginning, like the opening scene. Steve Martin is an architect. He built his house. He gave it to his then girlfriend as an engagement ring. Asked her to marry him. He she said no. So then he's like down on his luck. He meets Gwen. He's all stuck on Becky, right? That was her name, Becky. Uh, yeah, it was Becky. Yeah, okay, Becky. Sorry. So. He sees Gwen at a party. She's playing a waitress. He ends up sleeping with her, has a one-night stand. He does her dirty by being gone when she wakes up the next morning. And then he ha- tells her all about where he built this house, and he leaves a napkin with the drawing of the house there. She goes and finds the house, stays there, right, without his knowledge. And then, so... I she's wrote- only there for, like, a minute before, like, it all comes, like, Yeah, not colliding. that long. A week, maybe, tops, right? And I'm kind of happy they did that, to be honest with you. Uh... I didn't want them to drag it out. It was like, let's get to the storyline. And they did get to the storyline pretty quick. I couldn't care any less about this movie until like, what was it? About 30 minutes in when Steve Martin gets to the house, when she's like, has it fully furnished and he sees her there. Yeah. I mean, everything else is just a build up to like the intertwingling of intertwingling, intertwining of their lives. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I just thought that like the story was just like uh, meandering. <laughs> It was it was your typical Steve Martin comedy. I you you could line up this with Father of the Bride, and it's like the same type of humor, the same. Like, no, this was way better than Father of the Bride. Uh, it was definitely better than Father of the Bride, but I mean, it it was it was supposed to be like endearing. All right. Well, so the the what I wanted to say was the the most entertaining part, which is like a lot of this movie after the thirty minute mark or so, is that. They're constantly making up lies as to like the, the lives that they're portraying that they have. So the, so Gwen tells everybody that her and Steve Martin are married, right? So Goldie Hawn is Gwen, Steve Martin is Davis. She tells everybody in this little town that, that he, Steve Martin is from that they're married. She meets his parents, tells them that they're married. So then like Gwen meets Davis's uh, ex. They go out for lunch. She makes up all these stories about how they met and how they got married, and and the ex girlfriend gets all jealous. What's the ex girlfriend's name? Becky. Becky gets all jealous, and then Steve Martin sees Becky later, and Becky tells Steve Martin that she's jealous of Gwen, and so Steve Martin realizes that he could use this setup uh, to get his ex girlfriend back that he's still in love with. Meanwhile, benefiting Goldie Horn, I know she has a place to live. Yeah, he gives her the place to live, and then you know they could make this lie work out to both of their benefits. And it, it's fun watching them make up the lies. And I got to be honest, Goldie Horn, I thought she did a pretty decent job of selling me on the fact that she was making up those lies on the spot. You know, yeah, yeah. she she was believable in her character. I bought that this woman could exist, and yeah. I thought she did a good job with the role. Yeah, no, I I I didn't think that anybody was terrible here. But also, like this movie, I just felt like I could have never seen it and yeah. and not been not missed out on anything. But but also, I thought that I was mildly entertained. Yeah, it was. It wasn't the worst thing I ever watched. It wasn't the best thing I ever watched. Like you always say, it was forgettable. 
but it also yeah. wasn't it wasn't mind numbing like it wasn't s- like horrible it wasn't torturous to sit through there were moments where i actually left yeah there were some chuckles in there yes all right, you want to hit our categories because we sure. kind of did like we we beat this to death. Yeah. All right. I don't think we did. I think we did it justice. All right. So who directed this? Frank Oz, which we've spoke about this man at least twice already. He did What About Bob, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, Little Shop of Horrors, The Dark Crystal. He voices Yoda. Chris, you told me today that he voices who? Fozzie the Bear, but I said Fozzie the Clown. <laughs> it's synonymous. <laughs> and um yeah so frank oz has done a bunch of things but we've we've beat that that horse um before so steve martin we've also done before the jerk <clears throat> uh dead men don't wear plaid three amigos was probably my second favorite steve martin movie my blue heaven which we've done on the podcast is my favorite steve martin movie Roxanne, L.A. Story. So many more. And then Only Murders in the Building, the new show on Hulu, I believe. I haven't watched it yet. I've heard good things. It's really, really good and entertaining. And I'm not a show person. so. And then Goldie Hawn. I was surprised to learn today that Goldie Hawn only has 38 acting credits. I mean, she was probably getting paid at the time like $10 million a movie, so she didn't need to do much. She did Private Benjamin, Death Becomes Her, which I'm not looking forward to. We have to do in a couple of months. Uh, Overboard, Bird on a Wire, which we did on this you, podcast. You like already. Overboard. I like Overboard, and I like Bird on a Wire. I like Mel Gibson. I'm a huge Mel Gibson fan. Uh, yeah, you know, the more Mel Gibson movies I watch, the more I like them. Except huge. for Lethal Weapon 2. Yes. you No, three. <laughs> three? three. Which one, three? We yeah. did three. I'm a huge Mel Gibson fan. Anyway. Um, all right, so what's your best scene? All right, so my favorite scene is when Steve Martin finally comes back to the house, and then... He has to go and like talk to his parents, but they, he hasn't decided yet to tell them what's really going on, or he actually never decides that, but he, he he's kind of playing along a little bit, and they're having this argument, and he said, wants to tell his parents they're separated, and that's not the part that's my favorite. My favorite part is when they kind of like separate from themselves, and they start having like an actual argument about all the stuff they made up, yeah. but not about having made up the stuff. They're arguing about it as if it's real. And, and they're just they, making up new stuff on yeah. the spot. And then they just stop and they're like, Wait, what are we doing? Yeah. And I the, enjoyed that scene. The best part of this movie is when they're making up lies as if it's their past life, but never acknowledge the fact that they're lies. Right. Yeah. I, I think, which is, I, I just picked a different part of exactly what that is, is when they decide to keep up the lies so they can both get what they want. So they decide that, you know, they're going to portray this thing that they're married. And then Steve Martin makes up a lie that Goldie Hawn cheated on him with uh, with her ex-boyfriend one time. And then they go to actual marriage counseling. <laughs> the, but the priest comes in the whole time they're at marriage counseling. They're just making up more lies. <laughs> so, yeah, all of that was good. What's your worst scene? My worst scene is anytime Steve Martin is making a sexual advance on anyone. It was Fact. so awkward every time. Like the way he just wants to like grab women's shirts, like if their blouse yeah, is right between the boobs, but like gently like plays with the clo- the clothing. Yeah, he's, like uh, it's weird. He's not not the most masculine of men. Um my worst scene is all of the beginning before we get to Steve Martin discovering Goldie Horn at his house. The first thirty minutes was like meandering and pointless and a lot of nonsense that I could have done without. I was very bored for the first 25 or I, so minutes. I did like the walk around the block because I thought that was funny that she's like, I live close by and they walk around. It's like, yeah, I live right here where we started. Yeah, it was okay. I, I like that. I've seen that before, though. So, best role? Best role, I'm giving the Goldie Hawn. 
No, I give it to Steve Martin because he had the funniest lines in a comedy. I thought she sold the the character the best. Okay, I'm not gonna argue with you. Worst worst role. Like you said, is there really a worse role? Maybe Becky. Yeah, I put Becky just because she was just bland. She I she was a bad person. Like she didn't want Steve Martin when Steve Martin wanted her, and only wanted Steve Martin when somebody else wanted him. When Gwen wanted his, you know. Well, I mean. Does and, that make it a the the worst role? That's just like that's who the character is. We decide we we decided that role isn't necessary necessarily the so actor. You didn't like the idea of that character? No, I thought she was a terrible person. While everybody else in this whole movie was like wholesome, and she was a piece of shit. No, but what I'm saying is, for it to be worst role, it has to be a role that doesn't work in the movie. I don't think she had any redeeming qualities for Steve Martin to want to get her back. Okay, that's fair. Okay. Yeah. All right. I just kind of picked her because she was bland. Like, I didn't give a crap about her. Yeah, but then she started to get, like, she was jealous. She Well, first off, she didn't want to get married to Steve Martin because he wasn't good enough for her, I guess, at that point in time. Because she goes on about the promotion that he gets and blah, blah, blah. And then... Um, that was also a thing in the 90s, though. Like, promotions were a big deal. Okay. <laughs> Is that not a big deal? No, now? I mean, like, they're a big deal now. But, like, people don't decide who they're attracted to based on promotions. Okay, I don't know where I was going anymore. I'm derailed now. I'm just saying that Becky is uh, had no redeeming qualities as a human being. So there we are. Most quotable lines. The only one I have, which isn't even that quotable, but I laughed quite a bit, is after he punches the store, the restaurant owner in the face, and he comes back and tells her about. It, he's just like, "I punched an innocent Hungarian in the face." Yes. I don't know why that got me. It got me too because I wrote that down. <laughs> I'll, I'll do one funny one and then one serious one. Are you done? That's all you That's have? all I got. Okay. <clears throat> I like when he's after uh, Goldie Horn's character just told like a string of lies and he goes, you're a genius. You're like the Ernest Hemingway of bullshit. Yes. Yes. And then at the very end when he's going. So the very end, Steve Martin chases down Goldie Horn because he realizes that he wants her, not Becky, which we all knew that was going to happen. Uh, and he, he's, she's going to get on the bus and like walk out of his life for forever. And he's like trying to get her back. And she's like, our whole lives are a lie. And he goes, half the things we tell ourselves are fiction. I thought that was kind of poignant. Yeah. You know, it, 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 it hit a point that needed to be hit. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just thought that had some, some sort of bearings in real life. So I agree. And I actually had one more quote. I didn't. I forgot about it. So at the end, where it's like fading out, and you're not even looking at it, you're just looking at the house, and they're still talking. Yeah. And he's like, "I love you, Gwen." And she's like, "Actually, it's Jessica." That was maybe like <laughs> her best line in the yeah. whole movie. That she was still lying at that point. Like, yes. She was. She was. She couldn't stop. Yeah. She was like a habitual. What's that called? Liar. No, not liar. It's um another word fabricator anyway that's it we're moving on <laughs> yeah so i think at the end of the day we like this movie <laughs> yeah i like this movie but i forgot do, uh, would we recommend it i guess i would say if you like know. steve martin if if somebody would if somebody came to me and they were like should i i watch uh house sitter i'd be like mm, probably not you could do a lot better but if somebody came to me and they were like have you seen house sitter i'd be like yeah it was pretty good <laughs> So it's like it's, it's kind of on that edge for you. Yeah, exactly. It's like that, that razor thin edge. <laughs> All right, I'll take that. Would you recommend it? I, I, I would like, like you said, I wouldn't say don't watch it. I like, I wouldn't be like, no, don't, don't do it. It's terrible. I'd just be like, yeah, yeah it's all right. 
it's, it's I, worth watching. If somebody came to me as like, should I watch House Sitter? I'd be like, there's so many other things you should watch before House Sitter. Hold on. The one thing I wanted to point out too before we go, move on is why every 90s comedy up to this point has to have somebody singing a song. I don't understand it. <laughs> What's What's like, just don't sing songs. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. All right, go ahead. That's all I got. All right. Coming in at number two, earning $178 million, Patriot Games. From the producer of The Hunt for Red October. Get down! Based on the best-selling novel comes the summer's most explosive motion picture. Hoodie. So you just waited on in like John Wayne. I couldn't just stand there and watch him shoot those people. It was rage. Pure rage. A reluctant soldier. They were moving him to Albany Prison on the Isle of Wight when it happened. We are on our... We know he's escaped. We think he's left the country. In a war that isn't his. What Ryan done can't be undone, so you should stop thinking about it. I can't. There's never been a terrorist attack on American soil, Jack. These men are professionals. Personal revenge rarely plays into it. But I killed his brother. A man fighting for everything he holds dear. Where's Sally? Let's, uh, let's sit down for a moment. No, talk to me. For justice. I'm after the man who tried to kill my family. I want back in. <laughs> looking for here IRA terrorists or some ultra violent faction Hostage rescue at Quantico now. Airborne support approaching target area. Patriot Games. So, this is my favorite movie of the month. This is the only movie worth watching this month. I mean, I would recommend this movie. Yeah, of course. I, I we said this last time we did the other Harrison Ford movie with um when he was the lawyer or something. What was that? Was he a presumed lawyer? innocent? Yeah, that one. And like he's like really underrated. Like you get the Harrison Ford's underrated. No, let me re- let me explain what I mean. You get the Han Solos, you get the Indiana Jones. It's like, but that's like. That's like star power more that, than it is no, that's an like actor. That movie power. Yeah. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. Like story that's power. Not, that's not him. It's, it's, yeah. the, it's, the, it's what he's part of. Yes. Yes. It's the, it's the director. It's the story. It's the scenery. But it's, it's also the, him. Yeah. It's not not him. <laughs> but but he's, he's not. In those movies, with the exception of maybe the first Indiana Jones, he's not like acting, acting. But in these movies, he's like, he does stressed Better than anyone I've ever seen with just like the the blank look on his face, like yeah. when he's like when somebody's talking to him and he's like, you know, when not really hearing him, he's off in the distance somewhere. And you know what else he does really well 
and presumed innocent in this in the fugitive he plays a guy who shouldn't be caught up in what he's caught up in but is going to handle himself well but like you get that feeling like he shouldn't be there he shouldn't be he's not a hands-on guy but then he becomes a hands-on guy and you buy both sides of it you what, understand what i'm saying the, the, I, i'm agreeing with you and I'll expound on the point that the best part of this of the this movie like is the fact that he's just this is like an action hero movie without being an action that's hero. That's what I, that's what I was saying. Like he's a normal yes. guy and this movie all of this movie with the exception of one thing and we'll talk about that later. All of this movie is built and based in reality. There's no superhero, there's no oh this guy could have never done that. This would have never happened this way. Like all of these things are very real world events that could happen in this way. Right. And I mean, he is a CIA agent, but he was an analyst. He wasn't a yeah, not a field operative. Right. And they actually make point to say that in the movie. All right, so do the plot and ex CIA analyst accidentally stumbles across an IRA uh, terrorist attack, mm-hmm. and he intervenes and accidentally not accidentally, but in the intervention, he winds up killing the young brother of one of the IRA. Uh, what would you call them? Militants. Yeah, one of the IRA Terrorists. militants, and basically he, that's played by Sean Bean, and he sets out. He now has only one thing in mind, and that's to get revenge for his little brother and kill Harrison Ford's character Jack Ryan. Yeah. So the reason why he intervenes too is because like his his wife and daughter, little daughter, were like there, like ha- happened to be right next to where this um, attack. Yeah, attack on the royal family, the British royal family, was taking place. So he had to intervene so they weren't like caught up in a crossfire sort of thing. Right, but basically, it's just the whole movie is Sean Bean trying to get his revenge. Yes, that's true, and Harrison Ford being the man, being but smart like, as hell. I think that's that's like a bad characterization. He's not being the man; he's being a normal guy who just happens to like take the proper courses of action to yeah. end this bad situation that he well, finds himself in. Th- I mean, he's an ordinary man in the sense that he's not a superhero, but he is super. Like a super intellect, though. Like he's very intelligent in the movie. Yeah, but not like not clairvoyant, not a savant, no, right. not uh, omniscient, right? Yeah, but he's smarter than your average bear. But we get movies like that. Like remember Jodie Foster, the little kid movie, who was like he was a genius, but then he was like all of a sudden he was like clairvoyant or he was telepathic yeah. or yeah. He could see the. F- it was like everything he touched, he was the best at. Like yeah. that's not that's not reality, right? Like that's that's why I'm trying to get across the point to. If you've never seen this movie, you should watch it. I'm just saying, it's like it's not that he doesn't have these pros in his life, too. Well, he's also like seemingly uber successful. He becomes knighted, right? Which I, I wonder, and I didn't look it up on purpose because I wanted to have the conversation. Is there a version of someone who's not British being knighted? Like, is does that exist? Well, he saved. He was a civilian who happened to be an ex CIA agent and uh, ex um, military. Uh, who saved the life of a royal. So, I mean, in that circumstance, is it far-fetched to be knighted? No, I'm not saying is it far-fetched. I'm, like, I believe if he was British, that like, it would happen. But does that happen to somebody who's not British? That's all I'm saying. I'm going to go ahead and say yes without any basis of knowledge. Right, I'm saying no without any basis of knowledge. So. Okay. <laughs> One of us is right. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, so what did you think about – right, so I want to talk about the, the Jack Ryan series, which we've done before because we did 
uh, Hunt Hunter for Red, Red October. October. But so then did you see in the beginning when he was given a speech about the Russian submarines and I just automatically assumed that that was a continuation about Hunt for Red October because the same guy, same character. I'm not going to lie. I missed that whole. It was very short, but <clears throat> I, was, I was paying attention. I was trying to pay attention as best I could. I have two young children running around, so they kind of got in the way. But. I would assume it's based on that. And then uh, James Earl Jones reprises his role as Jack Ryan's I, superior. I, I believe it's supposed to be a continuation, not a like yeah. a new series. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm just saying like continuity with a new Jack Ryan because before it was Baldwin and, and now, a much better Jack Ryan. I agree. And now, well, I mean, you know, I I like Alec Baldwin, but I gotta say that um, Harrison Ford is a superior actor in pretty much every way. Agreed. Um, let's go into the categories because I think that'll spark up a little more. Uh, Who directed go- this movie? So this is directed by Philip Noyce. 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 Philip Noyce. Uh, the only thing I could find of interest, he directed The Bone Collector. Outside of that, not very much. That's a good movie, though. I did Denzel. enjoy that movie. Yeah. Angelina Jolie. Isn't Denzel a paraplegic in that movie? Yes. And, uh, and isn't that a? Can, isn't that like a series of like a specific detective? I don't know. Perhaps is that a Jack Ryan movie? No, I'm. I'm also going to say that this is Angelina Jolie. That movie is Angelina Jolie at like peak hotness. So he's not a Jack Ryan. He's Lincoln Rhyme, and that I think that is. So it's a uh, Lincoln Logs. No, along came a spider. I think that's the same series of novels. Like, oh, what's so the other Morgan one Freeman he did, did with, it first? Yeah, what's the other one that he was in with the the guy that the 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 thing that floats like the possesses other people they sing a song denzel heart and souls no anyway all right moving on what are you talking about it's a movie that they they did a thing and denzel was in it all right we're not talking about the bone collector here but it was a good movie i enjoyed it yeah where are we is this patriot games or bone collector (laughs) all right this is starring obviously harrison ford as jack ryan sean bean as sean miller I love it when Sean Bon, Sean Bean, or Sean Bon can't <laughs> yeah. be both. Um, I love it when actors play characters with the same first name. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, Sean is Sean. Yeah, we got Ann Archer as Kathy Ryan, Patrick Bergen as Kevin O'Donnell. You have Samuel L. Jackson, who plays the only name for this character is Robbie. Nice. <laughs> but I loved his character in this movie. As soon as Samuel L. walked on screen, I was like, I like this movie infinitely more. Yeah. Um, James Earl Jones, as you said, is Admiral Greer and Richard Harris as Patty O'Neill. So I really like the fact that the the bad guys in this movie are the IRA. Like for it's just a change of pace. But they're not the bad guy. That's the thing. Well, the no, no, they're they're extremists that were from the IRA. Right. So but the IRA is in this movie. The IRA are bad guys of a sort in this movie. And then this group of terrorists quote unquote are extremists from that i guess i don't know they were kicked out of the ira and they never really say no well what happened was the ira didn't, they didn't support yeah the his extremist, attack on the yeah his extremist um right there's better ways to handle what we want to handle i guess yeah and then they even go as far the, the head of the ira actually goes as far as to help jack ryan identify the woman only because she was british not irish maybe he no that's exactly what happens they said specifically in the movie and the, the guy said he'd rather shoot himself as, in the head than give up one of his fellow countrymen 
and then they say the only he helps them later. They say the only reason that he helped is because it turns out that the woman is British, oh. not Irish. And he only gives up the woman, doesn't give up the other two. Even though it would give up the other two, but now he can sleep at night, I guess. I guess. Semantics. Semantics. Okay. Um. So, do we want to talk about like some scenes, or do we want to go into favorite scenes? Yeah, let's do that. All right, what's your favorite scene? Uh, I think, well, I have two. <clears throat> the bar scene with Ford and the IRA guy. Loved it. So the the white-haired IRA guy that's not a part of, he keeps on going on TV saying that it wasn't the IRA that did these things. And Ford gets really angry with him. And he, he says, you're going to give me what I want or I'm going to destroy your life. I'll make it my mission to destroy you. But it's just Ford's acting in that scene that makes it. And not just him. Uh, he's playing off, him and Richard Harris play off each other great. Was it Richard Harris? Yeah, it was Richard Harris. And it's like this whole mental chess going on. And I love scenes where like you can feel the angst and the and the and the back and forth. And it just you know both of them have a goal in their minds and they're just going back and forth with it. I love it. Yeah, that was it was very good. Yours? My favorite scene was the ending. The whole at the house, the uh, here's what it I It was wrote. intense. Everything that was happening there I thought was just Awesome. I, I I said the the coming home party was legit. So that's when the daughter comes home from the hospital. So Samuel L, I thought he was funny. The lights go out. He's like, did you forget to pay the bill? And I know it's not that funny, but it made me laugh. It was not funny. Because Samuel L. <laughs> okay. Uh, the, the shooting the guy in the basement. Uh, Harrison Ford noticing that the lights were out in the boathouse. And that means that the lights out in the house were had to have been someone cut the power shooting the guy in the in the leg to get the information from him storming the house with the night vision the ira guys uh his wife hitting the guy with the butt end of a shotgun them running that bothered me i liked it them running into the attic to get out of the house only to come back into the house through the basement entrance it was just just everything that happened and then into them finding out about the boats and then having both boats take off, but really only Jack Ryan was on one of the boats and everyone else was still on shore and it leading everyone away. And then Sean Bean's character killing everyone around him because he didn't want to go back to finish their actual mission. He, all he wanted to do was kill Jack Ryan. I love it. Okay. The only bad part of that whole scene was when Sean Bean falls into the anchor to die because I hate that shit. And they show it pointing up and he falls on it. All right. So uh, my other best scene was the war room. Harrison Ford again goes goes back to the CIA. He was retired CIA, goes back into the CIA so he could figure out, you know, how to get the guy that's chasing him, right? Uh so they put him into the terrorist division and they like figure he's like again like a, an investigator of sorts, like he's not a field agent or whatever, which is good because it plays along the the it play goes back to what I was saying about how there's realism in this movie. Like he's not all of a sudden in a helicopter, like the worst version of this movie, would he would turn into Arnold Schwarzenegger, fly a helicopter over to wherever they are in the Middle East at their camp, s- murder everybody with a submachine gun, come back home, live happily ever after. Kind of after. like when Alec Baldwin flies a helicopter to a submarine and infiltrates the Red October. He didn't fly the helicopter; he was passing. Whatever. Right, he helicopter. still gets into the submarine. Okay. Anyway, so like this is the best version of this movie, right? Um, so. He figures out Harrison Ford through his superior intellect that ha- where these people are. 
James Earl Jones is his superior, and Ford's going like, I, I think it's them. I think they're here. I'm not 100% sure they're, that it's them. And Admiral Greer says, I just need your best guess. I yeah. don't need definites. Yeah, he says, what in life is 100% sure? He said, I just need your best guess, which I think I, you just gave me, right? And he says nothing. But they move forward with their plan, which is to have a militant strike on this base where they believe that these extremists are. So then his direct boss, Frank, or whatever his name is, escorts him into the war room when Ford doesn't know where he's going. Yeah. And then Ford's face as this thing is taking place and Ford's looking around. He keeps on seeing. He's horrified. Yeah. Everyone else in the room, one guy's drinking coffee. Like he's like kind of like snickering at the murders or whatever. Yeah. And Ford is like completely like in shock of what's taking place right in front of him. And everybody else is like, all right, job's done. And they walk out of the room. And he's sitting there the whole time, like kind of like horrified that all these murders are taking place and to boot because of his intel. Yeah. So that was my best scene. Number it, two. Was, it was a very good scene. Worst scene is the not the ending, but the very, very end. The boat chase was ridiculous. I to love the boat Sean chase. Bean jumping from his high speed boat chase, jumping from one boat to another boat, having a fist fight with with uh, yeah. Harrison Ford, dying on the a- anchor. Not only did he die on the anchor, but then to make sure he's dead, Harrison Ford jumps off the speeding boat into the water, and the boat crashes into a rock and then explodes. The only explosion that we had in the entire movie. It took all of the realism. What else exploded? The car in the beginning of the movie. Yeah, it was a bomb. They put a bomb on it. It still exploded. It was okay. Well, let me rephrase then. The only unrealistic explosion in the movie. And this route took out all of the things that I said before about how this whole move, entire movie is based on reality. Up until the last seven minutes of the movie, the entire movie was based on reality. And then we did this. So that, that that's really a fair point. I, d- I didn't love the ending ending. I liked the whole house scene up until and I like that they drove the boats away without anybody on them. I like that. Yeah. And then I hated the death too on the anchor that pissed me off. Yeah. Okay. Best role. We didn't do worse scene. Oh, you just I did. did I scene. just did mine. Sorry. What's yours? I don't think I have a worse scene. I think I enjoyed like everything. This movie. I guess I would agree with you on that ending part. Best role. Best role. Harrison Ford. Obviously. Obviously. Worst role. Again, like, is there a worse role? I I don't think there was because I thought Sean Bean was fantastic. Um, I hated his wife. Hated her. But, but, for but no what apparent did, what did, reason. But, but that's the thing. Like, what was she there for? I she just was there like to be her, a wife. Like, I didn't like her demeanor. I didn't like her her tone. I, like I her just. Face. I I really like her face. I wasn't gonna say that because like that's not that's not a valid <laughs> point. But I didn't really like her face. Yeah. I just didn't like anything about her. She just bothered me. And then I thought I knew her. From something else. But you don't because... And I, I don't because she's not in shit. <laughs> I think she was in Fatal Attraction and The Art of War. That's Never it. seen Fatal Attraction or The Art of War. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I, I don't have a worse a worse role. I, I guess, again, I would agree with you there. The wife, I guess, because like, is she, is she even necessary other than just being his wife? No. Because she doesn't play any important role except for... Like, you, you hated her hitting the guy with the gun. I guess, arguably, that doesn't make sense because how is she going to out power maybe it wasn't the guy maybe it was the girl it was the girl it I was think. the girl yeah but even even so that's a trained militant how is she defeating her yeah 
I didn't like it. I didn't even like it when she she was real arrogant. She was like a she was a doctor, not like she was a doctor, and she was performing surgery on some like ten year old boy's eye that something happened to. And I didn't even like her demeanor when she was saving this little boy. She bothered me then. And she wasn't. How about when she's on hold waiting to get the results of the everything looks great. Oh, awesome! And she hangs up the phone. You don't want more information than that. You're yeah. the doctor. You, you, you yeah. can ask for numbers. You don't need more detail. <laughs> Just it's great, and your reply is awesome. And hang up the phone. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, whatever. I also love the car chase scene. And them crashing in. That I was intense. All, all, the, all of the movie is perfect except for like the last seven minutes. Yeah. I, I, that's, I mean, I can't, you know, I'm going to repeat myself, which right. I just did. All right. Uh, what, quotable what, lines? Quotable lines. Um, I'm terrible at this. I, I always forget to write down the lines as they're going. All right. So I, I'll give you a back and forth between Samuel L. Jackson and Harrison Ford. It's like, so you just waited on in like John Wayne? Why'd you do that? What were you thinking? And then... Uh, Ford goes, I don't know. I wasn't thinking. And Robbie says, that's it? You sound like one of my students. And Ryan says, he's just like thinking about it like hard. And his response is, it just pissed me off. I just couldn't stand there and watch him shoot at these people right in front of me. It was just rage, pure rage. It just made me mad. And uh, Robbie goes, here's hoping you never get mad at me, man. That was a good line. Um, I also like, what I, I can't remember the line, but I like the scene when Robbie comes in in the middle of the his class and gives him the the medal for like jackassery or whatever it is. He yeah, says, shoot, shoot me, shoot me. Yeah, <laughs> I don't remember what he said, but everything Samuel Jackson the says purple is great heart to me. or something. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. It was it was there. I got to do better at taking notes on the quotes. No, I'd say you do. All right, that's it. Would you recommend it? Yeah, obviously. Yeah, this is. Uh, I think in the the Jack Ryan series. I think this is the best one because the next one is what? What's the clear next? and present danger? Yeah. Not as good as this. I haven't seen it in forever. Same. But oh, I remember seeing this and then directly after clear and present danger and being like, well, Patriot Games was better. <laughs> I'm sure it was. All right, but anyway, this is a fantastic movie. Lovely movie. Coming in at number one, grossing a whopping $267 million, Batman Returns. I've been down here too long. It's time for me to ascend. From the sewers of Gotham, a new villain emerges. You didn't invite me, so I crashed! Tops of Gotham. The perfect enemy comes to life. I am Catwoman. Hear me roar. Yeah. <laughs> and the only one who can save this city. A creature of the night. Hey, stud. I thought we had something together. We do. While she craves a romance, she can sink her claws into. You're getting into a girl like me. He plots a foul reign of destruction. My dear penguin! Thanks to Batman! 
its greatest hero. Should I say it or should you say it? What, that this movie sucked ass? This is the worst, worst thing I've ever had to sit, sit through, ever? That's that's definitely not true. No, that's not true, but it's fucking bad. So why isn't there a Batman in this movie? Like, why is Michael Keaton virtually nowhere to be found? What? What do you mean? It's I, all Penguin, right? It's all Penguin and Catwoman. And I couldn't... Penguin, okay, maybe. Catwoman, I didn't understand how or why she became Catwoman. Yeah, were, the, were those radioactive cats that looked her? <laughs> what was her? the problem there? <laughs> and we'll, we'll come back to that. And and then, like... But also... What? She didn't even understand her own purpose. Like, she says it in the movie. She says, I don't know who I am anymore. <laughs> I didn't understand any of this movie. All right, so like, why did he? Why did they suddenly want her? To, want him to be mayor? I, I that makes no sense. Let, let's let's backtrack a little bit. So this is part two of Batman, where Keaton and uh, Jack Nicholson, Nicholson, Jack Nicholas. Nicholson. I always get Nicholson. Those. Yes, Nicholson. Jack Nicholson <laughs> uh, played the Joker, and like that was like a great Batman, and etc. And then here we are with Keaton reprising the role. I want. I want to just. Say something. Maybe I'll get some hate for this, but I rewatched the original Batman last weekend in preparation for watching Batman Returns. Okay. Yeah, that movie sucked too. (laughs) Well, because the problem with comic book movies before the Marvel Universe is that they're cartoonish. They want them to be comic books. Yeah. So, and this is Tim Burton. Who? Can I? uh, Let's be clear. I, I. I, I'm sorry for if there are Tim Burton fans out there. I hate Tim Burton. I don't movies. like any of his shit either. And I said, not knowing who re, who directed this three minutes into the movie, I was like, well, it's clear Tim Burton directed this piece of shit yeah. <laughs> because, like, the the feel, the colors, the tone, the snowfall, the, the odd camera angles, the way they swoop in and out of different things, the purposefully designed sets that are supposed to look like sets in the movie, but like they're not supposed to be sets, but yeah. like they are sets. It's so weird. And the 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 art set pieces that yeah. like are, they don't feel right. They don't fit into reality. They're Some character car- yeah. what's the word caricatures? I can't say caricatures. That. Caricatures. There you go. All right. Yeah. Uh, and nothing yeah nothing why is the realism. bad guys all right so the so the penguins this makes no sense the penguins i guess okay it does make sense they're all circus performers penguin used to be like the freak show shot sideshow in the circus or whatever but his bad guys his henchmen are literal clowns who actually perform as clowns as they're doing yeah their there's bad jugglers there's a guy on a unicycle <laughs> There's a guy with a monkey on his shoulder who has like the music box, and when he turns, cranks the music box, it's like an, an Uzi inside. But the 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 clowns are like as they're performing crimes or whatever, like they're like it's, it's like all a, related. Yeah, like, like it, but they're like they're at, doing backflips and cartwheels. Hold like on. It, none of this makes any sense. At one point, Batman is fighting a clown. 
<laughs> and as he's fighting the clown, he punches the clown in the stomach, and the clown leans over, and he pulls a sword out of the clown's mouth. Yeah, I saw that. And swings a sword at something else. Like, I don't even remember what, because I was so... So disturbed by the fact that why did this clown swallow, decide to swallow a sword in the middle of a fight? <laughs> I don't know. All right, so the the there's really no plot to this movie. It's it's the penguins in this movie, Batman's in this movie, uh, Catwoman's in this movie. Christopher Walken's there. Oh, <laughs> and and all right, so Michael Keaton plays Batman. Michelle Pfeiffer plays Catwoman. Danny DeVito plays Penguin. Christopher Walken plays the like uh um the toy store owner. Yeah, but he's like a he's a corporate CEO. Some and he runs one. a mob, I guess. Yeah, he's Max Shrek. Okay, and then the train guy from Ghost was a henchman. I didn't notice Vincent that. Schiavelli. I said, is that the guy from the train and Ghost? And then I looked it up, and I was right. So I was proud of myself. <laughs> Good job, Kevin. Here's right. your pat on the back. Do do we uh, do? Uh, it's hard to make heads or tails of what to talk about here because the movie doesn't make sense. I wrote in my notes thirty minutes in, and there's only been one scene with Keaton. Why is that? This is a Batman movie. Because Keaton didn't want to be in the movie, probably. And what's what's with? And actually, no, Keaton didn't want to be in the movie. In fact, I guess at the time, Keaton demanded an eleven million dollar contract in order to redo the movie. And Warner Brothers was like, no, we can't give him $11 million, which obviously would have been a f- stupid decision considering this movie made $250 million. Yeah. But, like, the whole point is, like, he wanted, he demanded $11 because he didn't really want to do it. He just did it because, oh, it's $11 million. All right. So, and then there was a ton, a ton of perverted comments and jokes in this movie. From the Penguin? He From was, the Penguin I mean, this and, Cat, and Catwoman. I guess, is that his thing? Yeah. Because like he did that in the last movie he was in. He also does that. people, other people's money. Other yeah. People. He also does that a lot in uh, Twins, doesn't he? And uh, yeah, I I would guess that he does. And uh, it's always Sunny. That's literally his character is to be perverted. All right. Well, then I guess that's him. And now I'm not a Danny DeVito fan. How's that? I want to go back to the Catwoman thing. So she gets, she discovers um, Christopher Walken's character's evil plot. Which is to make um, what they call the capacitor, I guess. I, that might not be the right term. But it's not something that does – it's not a power plant, which was his pitch. It was something that stores the energy, which he was going to, like, sap all the energy out of Gotham. Which all, is the, like, all the ex- – the, the, the energy surplus that Batman tells him about. Yeah, anyway. So this is the ridiculous plot. Christopher Walken, by the way, is a gem in any, any movie he's in. So – that was one Keep that, that in mind, I guess. Well, yes, exactly. <laughs> but then, so Christopher Walken pushes Michelle Pfeiffer, Catwoman, out the window, who's his secretary, discovered this plot. She falls down stories, dies. But then... Cats start to lick her and bite her cats, fingers. Cats crawl on her, lick her, and bite her fingers and draw blood, and then she becomes Catwoman. Because then apparently she becomes a cat, because then the next we see her, she's barging into her own apartment, chugging a gallon of milk. Yeah, chugging milk and <laughs> in the immediate need to sew a cat woman suit <laughs> instantaneous need and and spray black spray paint all over her apartment that's that's this is what cats do apparently and then she actually has nine lives yeah she ha- also has nine lives which she's she just she, knows she does she's aware of the fact like she she she's conscious of the fact that she has nine lives and counts them as she loses them 
I wait more. I want more of this because wh- why does she feel the need to sit on the edge of Danny DeVito's bed after they just got into like some weird argument and say that she has to clean herself and starts licking the back of her hand and rubbing it on her face like a cat would clean themselves? Because she's a cat. This None of this makes any sense. My favorite part of her character is when she repeatedly says that she doesn't understand who she is anymore. Which is just like really hammering the point home that her character has no direction. Yeah. Well, can now can we talk? Since we talked about how she's a cat, can we talk about how the penguin's an actual penguin? <laughs> he's an actual penguin. Hold on. He has flippers for hands. Well, I I understand the he, deformity he was born with, right? But he he's waddles. Like, he's cold blooded, but pe- penguins aren't cold blooded, so I don't know what that's about. <laughs> okay. Um. But then at one point. Christopher Walken wants to pitch him becoming mayor and he needs him to come down to the to the downstairs. And how does he get him to come downstairs? He lures him with a dead fish. <laughs> it's just like a gutted fish. He just follows, waves it in front of him and but he follows te- him down. Testament to Danny DeVito's uh, dedication to his craft. He's eating the no, 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 life no. out of this <laughs> was say, actual don't, raw don't sell fish. It short. He, was, he was literally face deep in the fish. A raw fish. <laughs> He's... It's disgusting. <laughs> it's pretty vile. But I guess good for him. What about... But how about nobody in the room is perturbed by this? They're just like, yep, there's there's yeah, penguin yeah. eating a fish. So this guy, who, this guy who comes out of the gutter, the penguin, comes out of the gutter that's scaring like the entire Gotham City, but then all of a sudden becomes like, like, I don't know, the town favorite or whatever. They all love him for no apparent reason. What does he do? He saves... No. Oh, no. He, he saves s- the mayor's baby. He stages a kidnapping of the mayor's baby and then saves him. And then so but everybody loves But in a staged yes. kidnapping. Yes. And oh, no. Not the penguin guy. <laughs> don't hurt me. Their ploy to get him to... I guess he wants power or whatever for no apparent reason he wants to be loved and accepted for who he is no, but he doesn't really he just wants power yeah that's his his that, another character that has no direction his whole thing is that he wants to be loved and accepted for who he is like that's his character's drive but yet no, his way of going about that is to just gain power no but the whole idea is he doesn't care about any of that he just uses that as his front to gain power okay but whatever all right well then i don't I, I guess i missed that because i thought i saw him saying those things sincerely batman's toys suck ass oh my god he has an electric like batarang yeah that has like it like sees the people on it yeah but then somehow this little barky dog catches it out of the air and breaks it but he had to program it first mid-fight <laughs> yes. he had to press like seven buttons that he does like at light speed which programs it to hit these people specifically where they are but the people are just like blue blobs more or less on this shitty screen but they kind of just sit there and take the batarang well they all wait for him to program the batarang so he could win the fight (laughs) the dog wasn't having any of that no this little chihuahua was like no i'll take that all right uh, let's just hit our categories then i'm done are you done i'm so done all right all right so best best scene the only the only thing that happened in this movie that I respected any sort of any movie making at all yeah. was at the masquerade ball. Batman and Catwoman are the only two people not wearing a mask to reflect that their true identities are their actual nighttime personas. And like that was the only thing I was like, okay, there's we actually did something meaningful here. 
well, they both literally said, I'm tired of wearing a mask. And then they say it and they ruin it. And yeah. then they, because yeah. I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, oh, this is great. But then they say it and they ruin it. Like, it was the only time two people actually acted in this yeah. entire movie. Like, she was going on. She was, like, conflicted about the things that she's done and the things that she's driven to do now because she's Catwoman. All of a sudden, she's evil or whatever. It was the best scene. That, and I, I know this one scene was comical, but I just enjoyed it. I guess just preference the Batmobile simulator scene when they oh God, they hijacked his car and then the penguin has like this little mini <laughs> and it Batmobile. But it's not that you like it; it's that you thought it was comical to see Danny DeVito in a fucking grocery store, fucking yeah. st- like moving car. Yeah, yeah. It was like one of those cars that like go up and down like and, and it was the doing the up, cents. It was doing that yeah. ride though. <laughs> but Danny DeVito <laughs> had control of Keaton's. It it wasn't. Great. It was just I was entertained. All right. Worst scene. The, the whole rest of the movie outside of the masquerade ball. That's not a valid. No, it is valid. Nothing about this movie is good. I I wrote Catwoman's transition. Just that didn't make any sense. All right. How about the penguin riding the duck at any point? Yeah, that was terrible. I wrote Catwoman and penguin conspiring. Remember when she ate the bird? So then the penguin threatened to kill her pet cat. So then she spit the bird out, and then he let the cat live. Like I was at that point, I was like, "What in the world am I watching?" I kind of missed that. I okay. I don't know what was happening then. Best role. I mean, best role. Like, what, I guess Walken because he's the only person who I didn't hate watching on screen. I wrote Michelle Pfeiffer when she wasn't Catwoman. Yeah, you know what? When she was the secretary, she wasn't. When she after she died and came back. And, and and when she wasn't the tough the, secretary, like the, no, the well, yeah, but she was also like a little bit like she was like a loose cannon, a little bit of a nut job, and she wasn't gonna be pushed around. Yeah, but she was also like she was a you know a believable person that was like a little bit you know of a loose cannon. Yeah, if she was played, yeah. she played a good role. She's a good actress. Yeah, worst <laughs> role. Danny DeVito, I couldn't stand the one-liners. I couldn't stand the Penguin persona. I hated everything about his character. I wrote <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer when she was Catwoman. <laughs> I like that. See, that's good continuity there. Ooh, I, I, also, my secondary worst role is the kid who played Christopher Walken's kid when he tried to talk like Christopher Walken. It just took me right out of the movie. Yeah. Not not that anything else had me like grounded in reality, but, but this was like I can't take. How about when Walken, Walken's son was willing to take a bullet for his dad? Good, good, good son. But yeah. Walken's just like, all right, I'm out of here. <laughs> Go ahead, son, take that one for me. Quotable lines for terrible one-liners. Yeah. Catwoman goes, somebody say fish. I haven't been fed all day. And Batman goes, eat floor, and throws her at the floor. He goes, high fiber. <laughs> That's the worst version of an Arnie one-liner. Oh, yeah. So Keaton says I to um, Michelle Pfeiffer, I tried to save you. She replies, seems like every woman you try to save ends up dead or deeply resentful. Maybe you should retire. <laughs> <laughs> or yeah. or Catwoman and Penguin, we have something in common. And Penguin's stupid jokes, he goes, sounds familiar. Is it our appetite for destruction? <laughs> our contempt for the czars of fashion? <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> I didn't understand any of this movie, and I had a really tough time like paying attention. I see that by your lack of interest in this conversation. Yeah, I'm totally done talking about this movie. I, right. I didn't want to talk about it to begin with. Yeah, I also uh, last thing, and then we can move. Yeah, you know, we could wrap this one up. Um, 
I really like what Tim Burton did in the, the final 10 minutes of the movie. That, that was my favorite part of this like movie. Like when the penguin gave a speech to penguins? No, no, I'm not talking <laughs> about that. Is that your favorite? That. I'm talking about Batman reveals himself to Catwoman at the end to try and like save her person. Catwoman fries Christopher Walken like because she's like she finally got what she wanted was to murder her boss that murdered her. Penguin dies gruesomely like he's got like the whatever the toxic waste that's like pouring out of his mouth he looks disgusting uh and then the the penguin funeral even though i know it was a bit comedic it was just like i don't know it was done kind of well i just like the like the last 10 minutes of this movie i thought that tim burton actually like put some effort into it rather than making like yo a cartoon he made a movie here's what i understand so when Batman does reveal himself, how come in the Tim Burton Batman, because he reveals himself to Vicky Vale in the first one and then to Selena Kyle in the second one, why does he have to tear the mask apart? It's the only way to get it off. Like that's it? Every, it's one, one use Batman suit? <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> also, I wrote my, my last note is that Burton needed me on the editing on this one because I could have shaved a solid 20 minutes off. 20? He had a lot of 20. a lot of lingering shots that didn't need to be lingering. Yeah, Tim Burton thinks he's artistically like I don't know what a genius. What, yeah, I, why do people like he's that he's he's got a really specific like a following I think because like I hate I hate I don't like Edward Scissorhands I don't like this I don't like um what's the Halloween Christmas one Nightmare Before Christmas I hate that movie I don't know anything he's done that I've liked. I'm trying to think. Sweeney Todd, no. No. Anyway. Uh, yeah. All right. So, would you recommend this movie? No. 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 Don't. Not watch. a chance. Don't watch this. If you loved it as a kid, leave it in the past. All right. Coming up next month, July of 1992. This is a month for movies. We have Boomerang, which I've never seen before. That's the one about the nuclear missile, right? Yeah, that's what that is. It's not what that is. No? This is an Eddie Murphy player movie. Oh, then I have no idea what I'm talking about. Broken Arrow. That's what I was thinking of. Right. That's the same thing. A League of Their Own. I love A League of Their Own. I can't wait. And Honey, I Blew Up the Kid. Is that a top? Is it? No, I'm sorry. It's probably going to be Death Becomes Her. It is going to be Death Becomes Her. And Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Never seen it. Captain America came out this month, apparently. Yeah. I'm stoked to get to watch A League of Their Own. And it's a movie my wife will actually watch with me, so that's exciting. Yeah, Elena will watch Death Becomes Her, which I've seen not that long ago, and I'm dreading it. And uh, Universal Soldier. And I can't wait to see Boomerang, because I've never seen it before. And I think that's uh, you know, an Eddie Murphy movie I've never seen before. How, uh, could, how could it be that bad? I'm looking forward to July. Yeah. Maybe I'll watch a movie tomorrow so I don't have to watch all three movies in three days. Yeah. Two days. Yeah, you, we should probably... I had to watch three movies in one day. Should probably not do that. Never again. No. We'll be more responsible moving forward. We say this every month. Yeah, but I lie. <laughs> A lot. So. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. See you later, party people. <laughs> it's a weird sign-off. <laughs> Goodbye. Later.